0: Take out your Bibles. We're in Mark chapter 4, the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, please grab one from under a seat close by in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, please take that one home after the service with you. Mark chapter 4, Gospel of Mark. We're going to look at a no doubt familiar account in the life and ministry of Jesus to to many, if not most of us. Jesus often chose, as we will see and continue to study through the Gospel of Mark, to teach in parables, and a parable is a, is a story, it's an illustration, it's not a true story, it's not based on a true event, but it's, a, it's an illustration, it, it'll bring something common that the people would all be able to relate to, but with using that, with using something common to them, he's revealing deep truth divine truth, heavenly truth, and Jesus wasn't alone in using parables, it was a common rabbinical practice as rabbis would be teaching their students, but Jesus, as we will see, he uses the parables to again reveal even the mysteries as we see of the kingdom of God, and we're we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower today, Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, we'll read through the entire passage and then come back and look at it, break it down together. Verse 1, he, Jesus, began to teach them again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and saying to them in his teaching, listen to this, behold, the sower went out to sow. And he was sowing, and some seed fell by the roadside, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100-fold. Verse 9, and he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the 12, began asking him about the parables. And he said to them, to you it has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables. So that they will, while seeing, they may see and not perceive. While hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. Verse 13, he begins now the explanation to them of the parable. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are those who fell, who are beside the road, where the, word, where, where the word is sown, and when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who, when they heard the word, immediately received it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others, verse 18, are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. And these are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire of other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones, verse 20, on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Again, we see, as pretty much is the case all the time now, when Jesus is around, huge. Crowds gather around him, they want to hear from him, they want to see what's gonna happen next. And we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Jesus told his disciples when he was along the sea, he said, hey, have a boat ready, just in case I get kind of pushed right into the water, I got a place I can get in. Here we see he actually takes advantage of this boat, pushes away from the shore just a little bit, and he's able to teach this massive multitude of people that are gathered around, and again, speaking to them in parables. If you would turn back with me to Matthew chapter 13, the previous gospel right before Mark, this same same account is recorded in Matthew 13 and Luke 8, and Matthew gives us a little bit more insight as to why Jesus is speaking in parables and the blessing it is for us who have the ability to understand what it is that he's saying to us in the parables. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 13 He says this, therefore I speak to them in parables because while seeing, they do not see and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull or fat. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you... That many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it. First of all, before we get into the the parable and the explanation, I think it's important that we, we look at this because Jesus clearly differentiates two types of people. Those who have the ability to hear and receive. And he speaks of those, speaking there of his disciples and those that are following him with a desire for the truth and to understand. And we as followers of Jesus, born again believers, we too have ears to hear what it is that the Lord desires for us to hear and to understand. And as we mentioned earlier back in Mark, that the mysteries of the kingdom of God are revealed to us in his word. Now, a mystery is something that was previously unknown or concealed that has now been revealed. And I like how I heard this one time to explain why it's so important that we study both the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we look at that continually together, because it says that the the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And we look at the entire truth of God's word and, and how the prophets of old, though they didn't fully understand what it is that they, were, that they were talking about completely and how it was going to come to fruition. It's now revealed to us in his word. As a matter of fact, if you don't have to turn here, I'll be right back to Matthew with you in a second. Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 1. As to this salvation, speaking of the salvation that we know in in Christ Jesus, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you." God spoke to their hearts and said, all of this that you are prophesying and looking forward to and trying to discover on your own, it's not for you to understand. It is for you to proclaim, and it's for us to know. Now that we can look back on the cross and understand as God has revealed it to us, it goes on to say, in these things which now we have have been announced to us through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long to look into. This revelation that has been given to us about the Lord Jesus, and it's ble- we are blessed because we've been given eyes to see and ears to hear. This amazing privilege that we have comes with a lot of responsibility, however. But this other group that Jesus is speaking to of again here, it's talking about those who hear the same things, see the same things, but they don't hear and see. What is that talking about? Well, seeing and hearing physically the same as you and I do, but spiritually, in their hearts, their hearts are hardened. They don't, they don't take in the truth and understand that. And notice, as Jesus says here, and that's why I had us turn here, it says, with their ears they scarcely hear, verse 15, and they have closed their eyes. They make the choice. They are blind deliberately. They are willfully deaf to what God, the truth of God, would have for them. Why would anybody do that? Why would anybody choose that? Again, he talks to us here. Their their hearts have become dull. They've become fat is what it speaks there literally. They've hardened their own hearts. And again, why would they do that? Well, the Bible says men love the darkness rather than the light. If they come into the light and allow the light to expose their sin, expose their lifestyle, draw them to repent. They're like, you know what? No, what? I'd rather stay here in the dark, live how I want to live. But there is an option. Look, otherwise, there's an alternative. They would see with their eyes, hear with their hearts. And notice what Jesus says. When they understand with their hearts in return, I would heal them. It's a matter, it's again a matter of turning. It's a matter of repentance that is open to everyone. It's not God's desire that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And before we move on, I I need to talk to any of you here this morning who maybe have never come to that place where you've surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never trusted in him and him alone. You've never made him Lord of your life. To this point, you've heard the truth, just like everybody else, but your heart is hard towards it. For whatever reason, you have resisted God's grace that is extended to you. And I would plead with you this morning, don't harden your heart more. Respond to the Holy Spirit who is no doubt right now prompting your heart. God spoke to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55. He said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, that is to repent, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. Turning from your sin, turning to the Lord, and notice, he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Again, that's God's heart. Your creator, his heart. He has compassion on you. He has a great love for you. He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. And the Bible says that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It says that he will abundantly pardon all of your sin wiped away. You might say, You have no idea how much sin is in my life. You have no idea where I've been, what I've done. You're right. I don't know. I don't care. But Jesus loved you so much. When he suffered and died on the cross in your place, his blood, his sacrifice was that perfect. It paid for every sin you've ever committed. It's simply a matter of receiving the free gift of salvation. So don't harden your heart today. Don't leave here without making Jesus Lord of your life. But as we look back here into Mark's gospel, and we look at this parable, and we and we break it down... I'd like us to look at this as to what it means to you and I today as believers. Because notice he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Those that don't have the ears to hear walk away saying, man, that was, that was, that was crazy. I have no idea what that meant. But the, the desire of our Lord is for you and I as believers to hear what it means and to apply it in our lives. As we look at this parable, and again, no doubt familiar to many, but we begin by looking at it. This sower who went out to sow, and we need to understand just real briefly that they didn't they didn't plant like we do today with big big huge machines and combo, all this other kind of stuff. This vita, no, they went out and sowed it by hand, grabbing handfuls of seed and casting it. And in order for a farmer to make sure that he got all of it, every square foot that he could of his of his land covered, he would often even overthrow the land and it would land on the roadside and the packed down dirt there, and he would cover everything that was in his field. When we look at this and we apply it there, let's understand. Jesus gives, it, gives us the key right in verse 14. The sower sows the word. And when we look at the illustration, we need to understand the sower is the same. The seed is the same. The word is the same. The weather conditions are the same for the, the crop that it's being. The only difference is the condition of the soil that it's landing on. And we understand what the soil is when we look at verse 15, the, 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 where it says the, so, the seed that has been sown in them, if you have a New King James or a King's James version, it literally says sown in their hearts. The soil structure or composition, what our heart condition is. And he gives us four different kinds of soils to look at. First of all, in verse 4, He says, as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up. He gives us the explanation in verse 15. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. It falls on the road. It falls on the wayside where people are walking, where where, where carts and, and other things are traveling. And the the ground gets so packed down It's hard. It's representing a hard heart that the seed just bounces on and settles right on the top. And the birds come right down and take it away. A heart that's totally resistant, totally, there's no ability for the, the word to penetrate. And now I know that that doesn't represent any hearts in here in second service. This was more for first service, but <laughs> a hard heart to, to the truth that God might want to, to get across. Again, I'm sure nobody's ever experienced this, but there are some that when a message starts and, and the word starts coming forward and, and there's conviction that's moving through, certain people are saying, you know what, that's not for me, I got this all taken care of. But you know what, I wish so-and-so were here to listen to this message, because they need this. Might be a good indication of a hard heart. Or how about this, I didn't get anything out of the message today. Can I just challenge you that I don't care how boring the pastor is or the one sharing the message. If the word of God is proclaimed and you got nothing out of it, that's a heart condition. That's a hard heart because the Bible tells us that the word of God is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And that's the entire word of God. I'll tell you, I've been convicted on that myself from time to time. I'll be listening to a message on the radio or online and about, get about halfway through it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not really getting anything out of this. And man, the Lord just, praise God, won't let me get away with that. Because I realize it's not the message that's the problem. It's my heart that's the problem. And it's in those times where the Lord might really be trying to get something through to me. And all of a sudden now, my heart is completely hard. And when that seed falls there, the enemy makes sure that doesn't stay long and take it right away. That's what Jesus is saying here. What about this? You know what all the pastor ever talks about is repentance, forgiveness. I heard Charles Spurgeon once said, or was said of Charles Spurgeon, somebody came up to him one time and said, you know, all you, ever, all you ever talk about is repentance. When are you going to talk about something other than repentance? And he says, when you repent. <laughs> when are you going to stop talking about forgiveness when you forgive? When are you going to stop talking about gossiping when you quit gossiping? You know, it's amazing how that'll just kind of go away and you won't realize it's talking all the time about that once you finally do it because God is trying to get a message to you. Did you, have you ever noticed that when all of a sudden, you might be, it'll be like a week or two go on, and every message that you listen to, every conversation you tune into, you're listening to a song, you hear it everywhere, and you're like, what is going on? Lord, are you trying to say something to me? And my heart is just too hard to receive it. Again, make no mistake, the enemy is just waiting for that, just waiting for that seed to bounce there, and he'll just come by and snatch it up. Well, he speaks of another condition. That's the hard heart. Here we see next in verses 5 and 6, other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Here we see not a hard heart, but a shallow heart. And he gives the description of it here in verse 16. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, who, when they heard the word, immediately received it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when, not if, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. This is speaking of the rocky places and in that there is a, there is a layer of soil that actually looks like most of the rest of the field, but right under the soil there's rocks. And because of that, the, the plant shoots up immediately because there's, it's not only getting the, the heat from on top, but there's heat then as the rocks heat up, so the germination process happens faster, so it shoots up a lot faster than the others. But because there's no depth, the roots can't go down deep. Once the sun starts beating down, it withers. And this is speaking of that that shallow heart that, that here's a message, here's the word, is reading in the morning in, the, in a bo- devotional Bible study and all of a sudden, man, feeling just some conviction or some, the word of God goes there and pops up right away and it's amen, praise the Lord, right on. But by, by the time you get to work, And all of a sudden, somebody says, oh, you're that Jesus freak or something like that, and they start talking about you or at school, talking behind your back or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden, because of the persecution or because of some storm in your life that all of a sudden comes up, you're like, man, is this even worth it? And all of a sudden, that goes right out the window. All that joy that was there before because of the problems, because of the storm, because of whatever it is, man, it's just like it's gone. You know, interesting, it blows me away. I've lived, we've lived in Arizona now about 20 years. It amazes me what can grow and how fast it grows here in the summertime. I mean, we just had our fruit trees trimmed not a month, two months ago. And my goodness, they're like growing all sorts of crazy. And it's 120 degrees outside. The sun's just blasting down on it. You know, the same sun that causes a plant with, no, with shallow roots to wither is the same sun that causes one with deep roots to grow. And, and we, we look at the, 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 the struggle and everything. It's not again the sun. It's not again the conditions that are around. It's the depth of the roots that we have. Pastor Brad read Psalm 1. What a beautiful psalm and a picture that is of a a tree firmly planted by by streams of water, getting its nourishment from the soil and from, from the water, getting everything that it needs. James chapter 1, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing, and that word speaks of experiential knowledge, knowing through experience that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing." Sometimes we try the, the, the best that we can to avoid the difficulties, to avoid the trials. Man, if, I, if, I, if I'm too vocal about this, this person's gonna say that or they're gonna start talking about me over there or whatever, and we avoid all of that instead of embracing it and living it out and trusting God, and in that, we see him come through and our lives blossom and fruit takes place in our lives. We shouldn't try to shield ourselves or shield others from the sun. What we need to do is encourage deep roots, Well, verse 7, we look at a third soil. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Verse 18 and 19, Jesus explains, And the others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world. And the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Here we see a, a picture of the, of the crowded heart. The, 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 the seed lands in soil where it can actually, roots can actually start going down and it starts growing up. But guess gro- what's growing up right alongside it? A whole bunch of weeds, thorny weeds. That's another thing that blows me away about Arizona. It was awesome yesterday. What a blessing, huh? Nice, cool day in the middle of July. Rain, and oh, man, awesome. I hope you guys got a chance to enjoy that. The bad side of that, in two weeks, guess what's going to be everywhere in our yards? (laughs) Just weeds all over the place. Why? Because right under the soil, millions and millions and millions of weed seeds. They don't have to be planted. They don't have to be cultivated. Nothing. They just grow up. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be awesome if gardens did that? I mean, the stuff we really want. But this just grows right up and it grows right up. And the illustration that's here is it grows right up next to this and it chokes it out and it and it and it strangles out the word. Strangles out what it is that God is desiring to do in our hearts and in our lives. And he gives us three illustrations here that I think really bring it into focus for me. He says, first of all, the the worries of the world, the, the worries of this age, the worries of the life it is. It's not speaking of the, the worldliness. It's speaking of just life. And the focus isn't on the life. The focus is on the worries. That word is literally the anxiety of life because life happens We are pulled, and that literally means to be pulled in different directions. We are pulled in different directions as we live through life. I have this appointment, and I have to take care of this, and then all of a sudden the doctor called with that news, and all of these different things, and we have to deal with that. That's not the problem. The problem is the anxiety over those things, the stress that we allow to come with that. The Bible is very clear what we are to do with that anxiety. We are to cast it on the Lord because he cares for us. We're not supposed to hold on to it and give him 50 and we take 50. It's a 50-50. No, cast it completely on the Lord. We all know this is being Father's Day. You know, we, as fathers, as husbands, the Bible's very clear as to how we are to conduct ourselves. As husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We are not to frustrate our children wives we are to, you're to respect and honor your husbands I mean this, this love and respect and we can hear a message like that and we can be like oh yeah that's great oh honey let's do that you know and we're going to walk through this we're going to take all the devotions and we're going to do this we're going to start going to marriage Mondays and yada, yada and it's all great and then all of a sudden the anxieties of the world when the bills come in and then not enough money and all of a sudden this and then comes the intense fellowship and all of a sudden, all of those other things go, where's the love? Well, I'll, I'll love her as soon as she respects me. Where's the respect? Well, I'll respect him as soon as he loves me. The anxiety of the world just choked it all out. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything... With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I love this verse because it leaves zero wiggle room. Be anxious for, let me try that again, be anxious for nothing and in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. And listen to the promise when we do that and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, goes beyond our ability to understand, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Instead of being choked out by anxiety, guys, we can have the peace that passes understanding no matter what. He gives us a second, the deceitfulness of riches. Again, the focus isn't on the riches, the focus is on the deceitfulness of it. Money in and of itself is not evil. As a matter of fact, one of the way I've heard that said I love this, it says money is an amazing slave, but it is a ruthless master. Bottom line is, do you have money or does money have you? And the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of money, the deceitfulness of, of wealth and things is, you know what, if I just make a little bit more, if I just get to this point, if I just get that promotion, if I just get to this place where we can afford to do this and afford to do that, and afford to buy this and all this other kind of stuff, that's the deceitfulness of it. And the Lord might be totally laying on your heart, you know what, I need to spend more time with my, with my wife, I need to spend more time with my kids. But you know what? In order to do, in order to be able to get that extra car, to be able to afford that second house or to be able to do this vacation or I got to take on a second job. I got to work more. I got to put this and and it chokes out. Chokes out what God's putting in our hearts as to how we're supposed to be doing the, taking care of our family. This Deceitfulness of that stuff. (laughs) The opposite of that is instead of being deceived by riches is to be relieved by contentment. Be, Be content where God has you. Paul writes this. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Whatever circumstances, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, here we go, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I've learned the secret. Here it is. I can do all things through him who strengthens me all things. That verse right there has been completely, if you can grab a verse, take it out, you can make it say whatever you want it to say, that verse has been totally abused off by itself. The name it and claim it gospel, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to name this and I'm going to do it through Christ who strengthens me. Put it back in context. And what Paul is saying is I can go anywhere and do anything through Christ who strengthens me whether he chooses to take everything away from me I can, do, I, can, I can manage that in him. Whether he chooses to totally bless me in this regard, over here with this, I can totally do that in Christ who strengthens me. Bottom line is, wherever he would have me, where, whatever position he places me and my family in, we can find joy and happiness and contentment there because he's with us. We're in Christ Jesus, no matter what. I guess there is some truth to the name-it-and-claim-it gospel. Jesus, you name it. (laughs) And I'm going to claim your promise. Wherever you take me, whatever you decide, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thirdly, the desire for other things. The desire for other things. Again, The things aren't the problem. The desire for them is. The word there, that desire, means to earnestly desire, to covet even, to lust after. Where where is the priorities? And again, here, the, the part of that is that, okay, Lord, I know you're calling me. You want me to spend more time with you. I'm just so blessed when we do that. I need to spend more time in my devotions. I need to spend more time in prayer. Lord, laying that on our hearts. And it, and it immediately takes root, and it starts growing up. But then you know what? We got all of this going on. You know what? I got an early tea time on, on tomorrow morning, and I got to take care of this. And then I got to run to the store, and we got to take care of that. Before you know it, it's Friday, and I haven't spent any time with the Lord because all of the other stuff, you've heard that probably heard that or seen that illustration where they have the, the big rocks, the smaller rocks, and a, another smaller rocks, pebbles, and then the sand, and, and it, you got to fit it all in this jar, and the, the only way that you can do it is start with the big rocks first, and then the next size, the next size, the last thing you put in is the sand, and it kind of fits in wherever there's any space, guys, the biggest rock is your time with the Lord, that has to be, but it's the easiest one that just get choked out by the other things, The danger with this, as we see at the end of verse 19, is those things choke out the word that the Lord is speaking to us and to become unfruitful. To become unfruitful. Luke says that it brings no fruit to maturity. And when I was thinking about that earlier this week, I was thinking in Matthew 21, where Jesus comes to the fig tree because it says that he was hungry. And he found no figs, so he cursed the tree. And that's not a parable, but it certainly was an object lesson to the disciples. It, the, the, the point of it wasn't that, there were, that, that he couldn't find food anywhere else. If Jesus wanted to, we know he could have grabbed one of the leaves and made it a fig. That wasn't the point. The point was it promised fruit, but there wasn't any fruit on it. And the object lesson is looking at us in our lives, like the church in Ephesus in in the book of Revelation. It looked great on the outside, but lost its first love. There There was no fruit. We've professed to be children of God, and if we're living unfruitful lives, please hear as Jesus is saying here, and the compassion in his heart in this as he's saying he who has ears, let him hear. He's given us ears to hear what he desires in this. Lastly, the fourth, the fourth soil, verse 8, other seeds fell on good soil and they grew up and increased and yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. Verse 20, the explanation, those are the ones to whom the seed fell and when it is sown on good soil and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. When the word of God finds that place in our hearts where we receive it and accept it. And that word literally accepts there means to welcome it for themselves. We take ownership. We take it into ourselves. And none of these other things are going to get in to, to destroy it, to choke it out. And it, and it bears fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold. Abundant fruit in our lives. And as... We close this, this morning, and just to kind of bring this to where I believe the Lord would have us be today, as Christians, praise God, that the majority, when we look at the, this picture of a sower casting seed, in the, in the life of a Christian, the majority of that seed does fall on good soil, and, and, it, and it grows up, and it bears fruit. But I'm, I've been challenged this week myself, and I bring that to you today as brothers and sisters in Christ that no doubt you, like me, if we're honest, there's still areas in my heart that are too hard. There's still areas in my heart that yeah that that something'll something'll come along and and I'll be like yeah right on and that sounds great but then when the pressure comes I buckle under that pressure i can get in my car after after a weekend and 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 i i know again nobody nobody else here I think this was for Saturday night, but gets in their car and they're getting ready. They're driving out. and They're just like, man, I can't wait to witness and share my faith and be an example for Jesus in the world. And you drive out, and you drive by that sign that says you're entering the mission field. And you're like, yeah, I'm going in the mission field. You pull out and the first guy that cuts you off, jerk. That was Saturday, right? That was for last night. Are these things, like I said, that The cares of the world, the anxiety that comes up in our lives, chasing after these different things, the process of having those hard areas in our heart, those areas that need to be weeded out, involves plowing. I don't know about you, but that's not a pleasant process thinking about getting plowed. But it's a necessary thing. And when we allow the Lord to do that work in our hearts, the Bible says, and it's awesome in Hebrews 12, it says it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. When we allow him to take the plow to our heart, and then that allows all of the, the word as he continues to sow. Because again, we're, if we're all going to be honest we, and we need to be at times like this, we say there are still areas in my life daily, weekly, that he shows me that still aren't Christ-like. Praise God, I'm not, I'm not anything like what I used to be. But I look at my Savior and my Lord and the closer I get to him, the more I realize I'm still not like him in all ways and I want to be. And Lord, this corner that I've had this this sign in the corner that says, leave my weeds alone. Pull that out. Get rid of that so that this fallow corner of my heart can be used by you. Would you please stand with me? The thing with a message like this, and I've been praying about this just yesterday and today as I'm kind of finishing, okay, how do, I, how do we bring this together? And the bottom line is, I can't bring application to all of us, but the Holy Spirit can. To be able to say, yeah, this is, this is that spot in your heart. And we have to be willing to say, okay, Lord, have at it. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness and your love. And Lord, I wanna right now say thank you for your patience. But Lord, I also thank you that you just don't, you don't let us get away with this as your believers, as your followers, as your blood-bought children. So, Lord, would you allow us to see as you examine the composition of our hearts and, Lord, those areas that are still hard, that are still rocky, that are still crowded, Lord, would you do a work in our, in our hearts today? We want to please you in all ways. We want to be used by you in every way, especially, Lord, as we understand that The time is growing short. Lord, I thank you for for Calvary Chapel Surprise. I thank you for the family that you've brought together here. Lord, I know there's still so much that you want to use us for. So have your way in our hearts, Lord. If you're here today and you've you've never invited Jesus into your life, you've never made him Lord of your life, I invite you right now to follow him. There's not a lot of hoops to jump through, there's simply a matter of you responding to the Holy Spirit in your heart. Don't harden your heart today. Confess your sin. That is, you're agreeing with God that you're a sinner, you've fallen short of his perfect standard and you understand that there's nothing you can do to fix that. Jesus paid your penalty, so you need to receive him today. Repentance means to turn from the lifestyle that you are living, the life choices you've made, and to turn to Jesus receive his forgiveness and follow him. So if that is you, I invite you to go before him in your heart and pray, God, I'm a sinner. My life doesn't please you. I know that I need a savior. And Jesus, I believe you died to save me. So I give you my life right now. Forgive me. Give me that gift of eternal life. And Jesus, we all thank you and praise you for that.